Hi, this is Jim Lyon. You're listening to Viewpoint, and with me today, Jennifer Wilson. Hello, Jim. Hey, JJ, how are you today? I'm well, thank you. We are so glad to always have you in our studio here at CBH, because one thing I've always appreciated about you mm-hmm. is your capacity to enunciate with clarity. Oh, I thank you very much. You have terrific diction. <laughs> in fact, you can mask your voice and actually do different kinds of diction in different accents of English Well, language. I have practiced a little bit talking in other accents. I've just been traveling, and every time I go somewhere, there's somebody on a subway or there's some overhead in the airport with a recorded voice. Please stand clear of the door. <laughs> yes, exactly. I think <laughs> JJ could be doing that. You know, the power of speech is huge. Yes. We live in an age, JJ, when there's a lot of angst about employment. People are Mm -hmm. anxious about their jobs. They may have a job, but wondering if it'll still be here tomorrow. Others are looking for work. Some have just given up. And in the last few weeks, you and I have been talking here on Viewpoint about things we might tune up our resumes to achieve, Mm -hmm. the way in which we can maybe put forward our cause for employment by diving into some great ancient wisdom that just helps frame our lives and can help us make a better presentation of ourselves. And when you think about that, what could be more important than the way we speak and project ideas? Yes. You know, anytime you talk initially with someone about a job on the phone, phone diction is very important. Yes, indeed. Or interviews, you know, face-to-face interviews, anything like that. How you say it and what you say is important. There's an old book written many years ago, in fact, 20 centuries ago, it's called James. It's in the New Testament. And James is a very practical guide to life on many different fronts. But James especially, and we believe this James was the half-brother of Jesus, the same mom, Mary, but different fathers. Jesus, of course, we think conceived by the Holy Spirit uh, without human agency. James, born of the marriage of Joseph and Mary. This James, who rose up to be a leader of the church in Jerusalem, who knew Jesus from the earliest days, but didn't become a believer, it seems, until after he saw the resurrection. This James has a kind of practical side, and his book reflects that. And in this book of James, there's a special section, a very powerful section, that speaks about speech. It speaks about our communication and how it reflects who we are and how it can do so much for the good or for harm. And that's true not just to the world around us, but to our own cause, our own reputation, our own ability to even find a job. Today, JJ, let's dive into that passage in the book of James and find some practical applications for the here and now about the way in which all of us, whether we're employed or unemployed, whether we're looking for work or not looking for work, that all of us in all of our relationships can be stronger, better, and more proud of ourselves by the way in which we speak. One of the marks of the book of James in the New Testament is the way in which it speaks so directly. James doesn't beat around the bush. Or mince words. (laughs) There you go. He just gets right to the point, but he does so with clarity and a kind of grace that at once just kind of startles you. But boy, when you walk away from it, you think, that is absolutely right. Mm -hmm. There's something about the truth of what he writes that just stands out. There are times when you say, "Ah." James, and you go, okay, thank you. (laughs) That's exactly. (laughs) I needed to hear that. You nailed it. And today, let's look at a passage in the third chapter of James, beginning with verse 2, that talks about the way in which we communicate. JJ, if you'll start reading with verse 2, I'll take it to the close at verse 12. We all make many mistakes, but those who control their tongues can also control themselves in every other way. 
We can make a large horse turn around and go wherever we want by means of a small bit in its mouth. And a tiny rudder makes a huge ship turn wherever the pilot wants it to go, even though the winds are strong. So also, the tongue is a small thing, but what enormous damage it can do. A tiny spark can set a great forest on fire, and the tongue is a flame of fire. It's full of wickedness that can ruin your whole life. It can turn the entire course of your life into a blazing flame of destruction, for it is set on fire by hell itself. People can tame all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and fish, but no one can tame the tongue. It is restless and evil, full of deadly poison. Sometimes it praises our Lord and Father, and sometimes it curses those who have been made in the image of God. And so blessing and cursing come pouring out of the same mouth. Surely, my brothers and sisters, this is not right. Does a spring of water bubble out with both fresh water and bitter water? Does a fig tree produce olives or a grapevine produce figs? No. And you can't draw fresh water from a salty spring. Whoa. I mean, if James. One, yeah, honestly, could you speak just a little more softly? <laughs> Actually, he speaks with power yes. and right to the core of the issue. He dramatizes with beautiful imagery mm-hmm. how powerful the tongue can be. He compares it to other things. Yeah, the bit in the horse's mouth is really, I mean, have you ever sat on a horse? Those are huge beasts. And I'm like always scared when I'm on a horse and they can tell. But that bit in their mouth, just by pulling the reins, can turn the whole thing around. It's amazing. Or a tiny spark. Just Mm -hmm. a tiny spark can ignite a flame that will consume forests and and canyons and houses in Southern California and, Mm -hmm. and all kinds of things. And it all begins with just the tiniest thing. And we think of our tongues, our mouths as kind of this little part of who we are, when in fact... Few things that we possess and few things that we can use have greater power for good or harm than does our speech. And when we talk about speech, we have to talk about all the ways in which we project ideas. Now, did you catch what James says, JJ? He says, no one can contain the tongue. No one can actually tame it. It's just this wild beast. Uh, He (laughs) kind of describes it as something that is beyond the human capacity. But he actually also gives us handles, Mm -hmm. ways in which we can bring our speech into line. When we come back, let's kind of unpack that and find some ways that all of us can govern what we say, how we project ideas, how we communicate, and in so doing, maybe present ourselves for that next job interview better, or for all of us, enhance our relationships and make this world a more peaceful place. As we're thinking about speech, JJ, today, I think one of the things that James reminds us is that first of all, we just have to stop, take a deep breath, and recognize that we have to master our speech, Mm -hmm. that if we aren't intentional, it's likely that our mouths will run in directions that we'll regret later. Oh, okay. Yes, you're (laughs) right. I was just telling someone last night, oh, I have lots of unsolicited opinions, uninformed advice. I have lots of things I could say. I just probably shouldn't say them all. <laughs> and I'm, I'm really aware of this when people are offering me advice that's unsolicited. <laughs> I mean, honestly, doesn't it grate against you when someone walks up into your world and they may not understand what you're wrestling with or what your challenges are. They may see just a piece of your life, but they have all kinds of advice that you did not invite about how you could straighten things out and how you could do it better or whatever. And even that simple gesture that sometimes is caring can be so annoying. Mm. 
You know, another thing is I'm an external processor. My husband is an internal processor. So I often say this phrase, please think out loud. (laughs) But I'm always thinking out loud. And so there's a lot of superfluous ideas and processing that comes out that I really could probably just try harder to do inside. I understand that completely because my marriage is framed similarly (laughs) in that my wife is very extrovert, processing out loud. I'm very introvert. And even as she wants me to think out loud, I'd like her to think a little more quietly sometimes. (laughs) So that's just life. But both ends of the equation, whether you be introvert or extrovert, require governing Mm -hmm. by design how we speak and how we share ideas. And this isn't just about audible sounds. It's not just about speech out loud. Because communication involves more than just what we say with our tongues. Mm -hmm. These passages in James, and we all understand that when we think about how we project ideas, include the written word. Mm -hmm. Sometimes even just a nonverbal expression can be a deliberate attempt to send a message, and we have to govern that. An eye roll can be very demeaning (laughs) and devaluing. And yet it doesn't cause any sound, and it's not involving a piece of paper or the typewritten word. But it still has power. We have to govern that. And think about this, JJ. In the world in which we live of social media, Mm. think how many jobs are put on the line because of what someone inadvertently or thoughtlessly sent out on Facebook or on a Twitter feed. in a memo, an email. Yeah, there's, there's lots of stuff where you just push, send, post, update, reply, and it's out there. Can't take it back. I mean, our news is populated increasingly with the names of people working in prominent fields, maybe in business or in government, who find their jobs on a line because of that stray Twitter feed or Mm -hmm. that Facebook post, which in some way was not really careful. It diminished someone else. It was flip. It was cavalier. It uh, subtracted from and did not add to, and suddenly a whole job was on the line. And, and people of great gifts and capacity who have functioned at so many high levels suddenly find their jobs in jeopardy because a firestorm has been created by just that, that pressing of the button of the send on social media. You know, I had someone call me the other day and say, oh no, I think I just did something. They said I responded to someone's Facebook status and it was, you know, I said, there's a delete button. Go over to the side, hover over to the side, you can get it off. It'll probably still send them an email that with your message, but not everyone will see it. You know, I was like, there actually is a way to put the toothpaste back in the tube. (laughs) Try and pull it back. But honestly, when it comes to electronic media, you can try and clean it up. But as some prominent people know, once it's out there, it's out there. Yeah. And all of this just goes to we live in an age of even heightened sensitivity to the power of speech because now we all have the capacity to speak globally in a way that didn't used to exist. And so all the more reason to think carefully in our jobs. If I'm an employer hiring someone, I want to be sure that the person that comes alongside is not going to embarrass me or my firm, my enterprise, because they cannot control what they say. And that's why we're speaking about this in part in this theme about jobs and James is because it has real traction in the everyday marketplace. Of course, it also has traction in the way in which we relate to others. How many families are destroyed? How many friendships fall by the wayside? Because we just can't seem to control what we say. And maybe that comes back down to the reality that James reflects, that what we say reflects who we are. 
There's something inside that comes out when we speak. His piece there, the very last in verse 12, says you can't draw fresh water from a salty pool. You can't get something from a source that is different. So it, it all starts on the inside. And sometimes my speech, I think, and I don't know about you, JJ, but I know the speech of which I'm most ashamed is in the moment. And it may reflect my angst, my frustration, my very thin margin in the moment. It's an accurate reflection of where I am in the moment. Maybe that's why it's good and the old axiom when you're writing a letter in anger, write it and then sit on it for a day or two and reread it because in the moment you may feel things that you don't feel later and can be more temperate in your speech. But we don't always have that luxury these days, again, with social media, and we don't always have that luxury when we're just responding out loud to the moment. And the truth is we all understand a lot of what comes out of our mouths, out of our hearts, reflects a momentary pause. But those momentary reactions still reflect something deeper, a fundamental framing of our hearts. And if you're angry, you're carrying anger about something or someone, that's going to seep out. And what's amazing is that anger will seep out and be focused on someone else that was not the original object of your anger. Mm -hmm. If you have a grievance or you have some kind of bitterness, it will start to poison everything that you have, yeah, not project, just yeah. not just the, the original starting place. And that's what I think we forget. We imagine that we can kind of bottle it up and say, well, I'll just hold that grudge against that person so long ago who took my job or, or intervened in my life in that very destructive way. And we can protect it and just focus it there while all of our other relationships will be unaffected. There's a crack in your cistern. That's exactly yes. it. <laughs> and so I think what James is emphasizing is that when toxic things come out of our mouths, there's probably some toxicity inside. And we have to just stop and think about that. I don't know about you, JJ, but sometimes in the moment, my mind is filled with words and phrases that are very powerful and very destructive, and I can only thank God they did not come out of my mouth. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> I, mean, I think that's, that's a universal I human don't have experience. Any right now, but yes. <laughs> but we've all had recollections where I think, oh my goodness, but by the grace of God, I didn't say that. And then I have moments where I realize I said things I wish I had never said. Oh, you're not Oh, kidding. could I just pull that mm-hmm. back? Could I just rope that back in? Why did I say that? Some of the most deeply wounding moments in my life have been when words have been shared that just should not have been spoken. I was at a birthday party the other day for a young boy, one of my son's friends, and I just said something out loud, you know, I thought it would be funny, and it was not funny. In fact, it was, it came across offensive, and I was like, I just wish a big hole would come and I could just dive into (laughs) it. Because even not in an angry moment, even just trying to be lighthearted, you can say stuff and you go, oh, why did I say that? What was I thinking? Mm-hmm. No, I, I'm with you, JJ. And I'll up that. I bet for every one of those you've had, I've had 10 because I'm a lot older than you are. But plus... You know, we, you go to people's funerals and you hear hear someone speak their eulogy and they say, you know, I never heard them say an unkind word. And I'm like, you know, they're probably not going to be able to say that at my funeral <laughs> because I'm sure people have heard me say unkind and words. And the same would be true for me. And one good thing about a moment like that is it usually causes me to stop and look deep down inside mm-hmm. and think, what's going on what's with wrong? you, Jim? Yeah. What is down inside of you that brought that out? Mm-hmm. And I think the first step to controlling our tongues, and this is very important if you're seeking to keep your job or 
to get a new job is you have to search your heart. You have to look and see, is there something inside of me that's unresolved, that needs to be forgiven, that needs to be surrendered into the hands of God, that needs to be clothed with grace? Is there just something broken inside of me that would prompt me in a moment when I'm not thinking, when my screens and checks are down, to go out on a limb and say something that is not helping anyone, does not heal anything, doesn't make anything better. It just vents. What's going on inside of me? And the first step to controlling your tongue is to do some soul searching. It's not easy. It can be very humbling. But man, it is so necessary if you want to control your speech. And what I think happens after that, Jim, is that when we do that searching, we'll, we'll come across some of those areas of our lives, some, some things that have happened to us, by us, that are unresolved. There's some forgiveness that needs to happen. Um, there's some anger that needs to be turned over, and we need to receive grace for it, and we need to extend grace for those things. That's exactly right, and speech is so powerful, but it's also a powerful opportunity for mm-hmm. us mm-hmm. to ourselves become whole. And it's a lifetime, because as long as we live, we're going to have intersections that wound us or hurt us, and we'll be tempted to carry those in ways that can poison our own well. And that will sooner or later be proved true in our speech. So just back up and make sure that there's nothing poisoned, there's nothing toxic, there's nothing unforgiven, there's nothing that could not be described as clothed with grace, resident, breeding, brooding deep down inside. So that, to me, is, is the internal part of examining our speech. I think there's, a, there's an external part, too. And I think what we read and watch, what we hear, also subliminally and inevitably influences what we project. Absolutely. You know, earlier you were complimenting me on my diction and how I say things. And I've, I've listened to a lot of good music, good musicians. I've put my ear right up to the speaker to get the vowel sounds and, you know, I've practiced putting in good things so that good things will come out. Not just the way I form things, but hopefully the things that I say. And if you're entertained by speech that is bass and mean and low, it's likely that over time, if you make that a practice, you will inevitably allow that to seep out. And we populate our hearts and our minds with what we allow to be the focus of our attention. And that's why it does matter to what we expose ourselves. And if you expose yourselves to great literature, if you expose yourself to great poetry, if you expose yourself to language and conversation that is real and authentic, but also expresses with truth and grace, then you will find yourself doing the same. Mm. I know that I have read a lot of books from the 19th century and Every now and then I just stop and think, I'm repeating word phrases and word orders that are no (laughs) longer just as they are used today, but were common then. But it's because I have dived into those books. That's not a moral premise one way or the other. It's just the reality that to what we expose ourselves sooner or later naturally comes out of us. You know, I have two young boys and we like to check out movies from the library. And one of the series that we often check out is from the History Channel called Extreme Trains. And the whole point of me sharing this is that there's a there's a host of the show, Matt something, and he's just excited about trains, and he gets this deep voice, he says, we're going to move on out, we're going to head on down the line, and he talks with energy, and I found my boys 
because they're watching this over and over. They, they come in to me later in the day and they're like, come on, mom, we're going to move on down the line and we got to watch out for this. Over. And they start talking in the same inflection, the same tone, the same vocabulary as this guy talking about locomotives. Exactly. And at every age, the truth is still the same. Mm-hmm. Even though a child is very impressionable, so are we even as mm-hmm. adults without being conscious of it. As I was reading through James, it occurred to me that if we want to have fresh water flowing out of us and we have surrendered our hearts and have done some self-examination and we're also being careful about what we see and watch and hear, another thing I might do is just practice a word of blessing every day. To demonstrate the power of speech in a positive way, I just want to do an experiment. Every day I'm going to be very intentional about finding someone I can bless with words. Maybe it's a note I'm going to write. Maybe it's a passing comment at the supermarket or at the gas station, but I'm going to be very intentional and I'm going to try and bless someone with words, encourage them, say something positive, value someone else, affirm something else, and just see what happens. Honestly, I think, JJ, if we would all make that our ambition, we would all begin ourselves to be in the groove of speaking positively and watching the power of our words take good effect. We can also look for ways to speak into other people's lives positively just to call the best out of them. You know, it's one thing to bless someone in the moment because they helped you at the supermarket move your cart through the snowbank. Oh, just talking about where I live. (laughs) (laughs) Or they somehow crossed your path and in the moment there was something you could affirm. That's different than thinking about the people you know in your world and trying to understand how can I do something for them. All of us can do that if we think about the people in our world. And that also can help train us to govern our tongues. At the last, JJ, I think we all have to come back to the reality that we must be consistent and that we are consistent whether we know it or not. What comes out of our mouths reflects what's inside of us. And if I want to reflect good things, I better be sure that what's inside of me is good. And the only way to get there, so far as I can tell, is to place my life into the Lord's hands, to seek his forgiveness for my failures, to seek his grace for the times I was less than my best, to allow him to renew me and refresh me and to know that I don't deserve it, but it's the work of Jesus on the cross that makes it possible for me to be at peace with him. And if I'm at peace with him, maybe it'll be more likely I'll be at peace with others and the things I say. Wherever you are in the world today, whatever your journey, maybe you're thinking about making a resume to apply for a job. Think about how you speak and how you present yourself and your reputation for speech. Think about how you can protect your prospective employer by the way in which you communicate and bring the best out of the place you hope to work. Maybe you're not in the job market right now, but your life has some broken places. Just think about the power of your speech to heal and to mend. Wherever you are in life, think about your relationship to God. Join us for a moment in prayer. Our Father, we're so thankful today that you know everything about us and that your knowledge of us is complete, even though there are things about ourselves that we would just as soon not disclose. And we're thankful, Lord, that your love for us is complete and that knowing everything you do about us, even our weaknesses and our flaws and our failures, you love us still completely. And we're thankful for your offer to help recreate us, to cause us to be born again, for the way in which you sent your Son into this world that we might be redeemed, that what we have done and where we have been can be left behind and that we can go forward with a fresh new day. We pray this will be true, Lord, in the deepest part of our being today as we trust you to make us new in Jesus' name. We pray, Lord, that you will help us 
as new persons to speak in ways that please you and call the best out of others. And may our speech reflect the grace and the goodness and the love that you have extended to us. We thank you, Lord, for the book of James and its wisdom, for the Holy Spirit that first authored those pages, and may that Spirit now author our speech. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. If you'd like to know more about how you can control your tongue, about how you can be at peace with God and maybe make peace in this world, give us a call. Just dial this number 24 hours a day and seven days a week, 1-800-757-VIEW. That's 1-800-757-8439. Or if you have access to the internet, you can find us at cbhviewpoint.org. You can read there about the Viewpoint Ministry. You can send us an email and we will reply. Or at the last, write me a letter. Address it to Jim Lyon, Viewpoint, Post Office Box 2420, Anderson, Indiana, 46018, USA. But by whatever method you choose, please, let us hear from you this week. JJ, with your flawless diction, it was today as it has always been a pleasure to be on air with you. I thank you very much. And we are so thankful that you came alongside too. We hope you'll be with us again next week as we continue to explore good ideas about how to go forward in the job market and in life from the book of James. For all of us at the Viewpoint team, this is Jim Lyon. Stay tuned.